Is that a light at the end of the tunnel or the train? We're talking about cattle markets in this week's episode. Randy Block with Cattle Facts joins us to talk about why he is so optimistic about our market outlook and to address several other topics regarding the beef industry you won't want to miss on this episode of the Working Ranch Podcast. Welcome again to the Working Ranch Podcast. Justin Mills, your host. Thank you for joining us. And if it sounds like I have a little more pep in my step, well, as I'm recording this, we're getting some good moisture, which we really do need here on the west slopes of the Black Hills in northeast Wyoming. It is coming in the form of very wet snow, though, but I will not complain. I thought it was going to pass us by, but it looks like we're going to get a little bit. So very appreciative of that. Well, as I said at the intro, Randy Block, CEO for Cattle Facts, will be joining us in our next segment. We're going to be covering several topics revolving around the cattle market outlook from beef demand, both domestic to global, increased harvest capacity, how that's affecting our markets. Also, his warning regarding legislating industry issues, for example, the market transparency concerns and much, much more. A great interview on this episode of the Working Ranch podcast. Also, stay tuned all the way to the end of the podcast as we have a great episode lined up for next week and I'll tell you what that will be about in our last segment on this episode. Well, the Working Ranch Podcast is part of Working Ranch Magazine, and you should have your April-May copy in front of you. You know, there's several breeds of cattle out there, but one you can learn about in this edition is the Irish Black and the Irish Red Cattle. A nice article in there by Jamie Pullman about this breed that was developed back in the 1960s. She talks about some of their attributes and their characteristics. Check it out in your April-May copy of the Working Ranch Magazine. And if you do not have a subscription to the magazine you can do it by going to the website at workingranchmag.com also while you're there you can find out more information on the working ranch expo that's going to be held during the national finals rodeo in las vegas this year this is new it's going to be held december 8th through the 10th right there close to cowboy christmas we hope you'll join us if you'd like to exhibit or attend you can find out more information at the website again that is workingranchmag.com well a thank you to our sponsors for this episode the american simmental association you know there was a survey done that showed the growth of different breeds of bulls sourced by commercial producers between the years of 2014 and 2020 and did you know that the largest growth in bull breed type during that time was bulls with sim genetics heterosis works which is why with Simmental, it's more per head, period. Find out more at Simmental.org. Also, sponsors include Central Life Sciences, and it is beginning to be that time of year, so plan ahead with Altacid IGR Fly Control Products. The American Hereford Association, Corteva AgriScience, and their new DuraCore herbicide for weed control in your pastures, and the North American Limousine Foundation. Well, right now, let's head in and check with the captain, Tim O'Byrne, publisher and editor of Working Ranch Magazine for Tim's Two Cents. Hey, Working Ranch podcast listeners, do I have some exciting news for you. Coming up here at the end of the month, our very own host, Justin Mills, is going to take this podcast to the next level. That's right, folks, Sirius XM. 
Satellite Radio Channel 147, Rural Radio, the Agribusiness and Western Lifestyle Channel. I want you tuning in noon on Saturday, Eastern. We're going to do a one-hour show moving forward. Justin, you got this. I know you can do it. I'll be around with my two cents. Folks, wish him luck. Yes, folks, some exciting news here at the Working Ranch Podcast as we are looking forward to being on Rural Radio Channel 147 on your Cirrus XM radio. But remember, I do want to remind you, too, that on your podcast provider is where you will hear each and every episode first. So just another reminder, if you haven't already clicked on the follow or the subscribe button, do that because you will be notified every time that we put out a new weekly podcast as well as any additional features that we may kick out from time to time. Well, stay with us. When we come back, we're talking cattle markets. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, some real legitimate reasons to be optimistic about our cattle markets. Randy Block with Cattlefax joins us after the break. He'll give us the scoop. Starting off in the right direction is essential to gaining an advantage later when you go to market your calves. And I have proof that the right direction is with Sim Angus Sired Calves. A 2020 study by K-State showed that Sim Angus Sired Steer Calves earn more at sale time than all other breed identified sire groups with at least 50 lots represented on Superior Livestock's 2020 summer sales. The proof's right there. For low-risk, high-potential calves with earning potential, be confident that Sim Genetics will give you more per head, period. Stand strong, Simmental. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Mills. This week's main feature interview is sponsored by Corteva AgriScience. Keep weeds out of the way with new DuraCore herbicide and make the most of your pasture. Learn more at duracoreherbicide.com. Well, joining me now, Randy Block, CEO of Cattle Facts. And I know for a lot of us in the cattle industry, probably very familiar, have heard of Cattle Facts. And, of course, of Randy and relied on them for their service over the many years to give us some insight of where this uh, market is going to be heading one way or the other. So, Randy, thank you for joining us on this episode. Justin, it's my pleasure. Great to be with you. And uh, I know we're all looking forward to a good spring with some good moisture. Absolutely. We always have to be optimistic about moisture for sure. Well, let's jump right into things here as we have several topics that I want to get your thoughts on for this episode. So first off, let's just talk about the cattle markets and what you think we're going to see for the next 12 to 24 months. Well, Justin, I think we're really in pretty good shape if you think about where the cattle markets are are pointed. And we go back and we think about what we've been through with over the course of the last couple of years, 2020 would have been our cyclical peak in supplies, but because of COVID-19 and the and the restrictions we had uh, in being able to harvest the cattle in the in the manner that we expected, we actually pushed that peak in in harvest levels and supplies on here to 2021. But 2021 is really a tale of two halves. We've had big numbers to harvest. Again, we've had big, big slaughter levels here in the first quarter, but we got through it. We got through through it in pretty good shape. We still have plenty of cattle to harvest here through the spring and early part of the summer. And then we'll get into a trend of tightening supplies, not just for the balance of 2021 in the second half of the year, but significantly tightening numbers on into 2022 and 2023. 
all of that is a result of the contraction in the in the mama cow herd that we've been going through here over the last few years. So you got fewer cows, you're going to end up with fewer calves, you're going to end up with fewer feeder cattle, fewer uh, fed cattle, and, and the result in smaller beef supplies. So that's where we're headed right now, Justin. And, and again, it looks like we're, we're finally going to see a payday for our cow-calf producers. It's long, long overdue. You talked a little bit of some factors that you guys are watching. Beyond that, some things that affect the cattle market from an outside that maybe we as producers don't always understand. Is there some other factors you guys watch that's kind of given maybe a telltale sign of where this market's going to be at as well? Well, I think what most people do is initially, Justin, they go out here, we can all we can all measure supply, can't we? It's a little easier for us. We can see it. We can see what's going on with cow numbers and cow liquidation, whatever the case may be, or retention. Demand is a little more difficult for most people to be able to get their arms around. So obviously, supply is part of the equation. Demand, we spend a tremendous amount of time looking and analyzing demand, not only domestic demand, but global beef demand. And I would, I would tell your listeners out here that this, this is a little bit difficult to get your arms around, but I want you to hear what I have to say here. Demand for choice and higher products. So when I say choice and higher, I'm saying choice, certified Angus beef, and prime. Mm-hmm. Demand for those products has increased 68% since the demand lows that we had back in 1998, a 68% increase in the demand for the good stuff. Mm -hmm. Demand for select and lower product, so select, standard, no roll, those products, demand is actually down 1% for that. So the market has sent a very clear signal out here that it wants more high-quality beef. Consumers want more high-quality beef with more marbling, because quite frankly, it tastes better, and they're willing to pay for it. So our premiums have stayed better, uh, even though we've seen over a 60% increase in the production of choice and higher product, we've been able to maintain the price premiums that uh, we had before. So I think that uh, tells you very well uh, how good a shape we're in with our consumers uh, up till now and being able to, to provide them what they want day in and day out. Mm-hmm. That same recipe is in play globally. The U.S. Is, is obviously a major exporter of beef protein. We'll export in excess of 3 billion pounds this year. A lot of our consumers around the world want the same type of quality. Now they're not all buying. They're not all buying ribs and loins, but they're buying a lot of uh, chuck rolls. Uh, you know, a number of those items out of the chuck. They are buying some middle meats. Those are all key components that add more value to the overall uh, level of through the industry. So more dollars coming in is obviously good for U.S. producers. Mm-hmm. For a cow calf producer, and try to capture the most net profit out of your calves. You just talked about that we're starting to see that higher quality beef, more demand for that higher quality, less demand for the select type quality of meat. So is there a trend that we're heading towards 
with this market that when a cow-calf producer starts to market their calves that we need to be looking at in terms of trying to get the most net profit. I'm going to stress net because there's a lot of inputs that we can put in these cattle, but that doesn't necessarily uh, make the net profit better. So in terms of net, where are we headed with this market for the cow-calf producer to try to get the most net profit out of our calves? Justin, I think that's a great question because, again, that is a complicated recipe, isn't it? We've got, we got a lot of things that are being thrown at us as cow-calf producers. Again, my family's been in the cow-calf business since the 1880s uh, in northeast Colorado. So we've been through generations of this on our operation, and we're sorting through the same thing that your listeners and readers are. What I would say is is we have to kind of simplify what it is our focus is, we have to be able to balance that with the resources that we have at our fingertips. Not all regions of the country are conducive to be able to focus on all of these trends. We have to find the kind of what our niche is. We always have to balance our our cost with our production. Those are two, that's where the whole foundation starts, isn't it? Managing our costs, but maximizing our production. So that's really the, where we all start. And again, we know that we can't, quote, starve a profit out of a cow. We mm-hmm. need to maintain tremendous nutrition in these animals, focus on our genetics and our animal health programs. Those are key. The things, though, that, are, that you mentioned, Justin, in your question that have really changed over the last 10 to 15 years is, the markets want to know more about these animals. So when if you just watch one of the video auctions that will take place in here in the next few weeks and you just see all of the different value on all of these animals depending on what boxes they can check. Are these cattle this? Are they this? Are they this? Are they this? Mm-hmm. We don't have to deliver all of those things, but there's a – there's a number of those things that are beneficial that we all know what they do. For example, I think most cow-calf producers need to know what those animals are producing, what they look like with the hide off. Are they really producing cattle that are grading 85 to 90% choice certified Angus beef and prime? Are we actually doing that? Or do we have animals that are that are only producing 50 to 55% choice and prime. Those are key, key things because the market sorts it out over time. So I would say the more the producer knows about what those animals are like, how they will, how they'll grow and how they'll finish, they're going to do a better job of being able to put together a group of cattle that will uh, meet the consumer demands that more and more of these feed yards and and food service operations are really trying to build product for. So these these differentiated markets, if you will, are key. Not all consumers want the same thing. What we have to do as producers is line our production up with with a kind of a specific goal in mind and I think the markets will certainly pay us for it. We, we can see that out there today as we watch uh, the way the sorting process takes place. Mm-hmm. COVID-19 really exposed the cattle industry's lack of harvest capacity. 
and we're starting to now see a bit of a wave of what looks like it's going to be an increase in that capacity across the countryside. There's growth from smaller locker plants to small to mid-sized facilities. I see where Sustainable Beef LLC opening a plant up in North Platte, Nebraska. They aim to process about 400,000 head a day, it looks like. National Beef Packing in Iowa, they're adding another 1,400 head per day processing. That gives them a total of about 2,500 head per day capacity. But Randy, how is all of this additional processing capacity going to affect our market as we go forward? Well, Justin, this is this has really been the, I would say, the biggest bottleneck in our industry. We just haven't had enough hooks. As you've gone through, for, for any of you all, all out there as producers, I want you just to think back with me over the last uh, 40 to 50 years. We have always had more shackle space available than we, than we had cattle through the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000, up to 2010. Always more, more hooks or shackle space than what we had available cattle. As the market transitioned in 2015, 2016 through that time period, the industry changed. We lost so much harvest capacity from back where we were in the 2005. In 2005, we estimated that we we could harvest about 568,000 head of cattle a week. That's bed cattle, 568,000 cattle a week Mm -hmm. through that time period. By the time we got to 2016, We'd lost enough packing plants that we'd lost 100,000 head a week Hmm. slaughter capacity. Well, we haven't added all that capacity back on, haven't we, as we went through this big growth in numbers. Mm -hmm. So the bottom line is is, is we've had had 7 to 10% more cattle than, than we had shackle capacity in here since that 2016 16 to 2021 time period, what we're in right now. That will transition going forward as we add more of these new plants back on, whether there are 500 ahead a day slaughter capacity or 1,500 ahead a day, that will start to change the game. And again, we, we expect by the time we get out here to 2022 and 2023, while the packing industry will still be profitable, you'll see the markets work to where some of that margin that is is at retail and at the packing industry, it will actually navigate back to the producer segments in, in the marketplace. So I think that's pretty clear to us as we look at the markets over the next few years. This is what we've needed, Justin, to answer your question. Mm-hmm. We have needed more harvest capacity. Uh, we can't grow the nation's cow herd if we don't add capacity. We've hit the we've hit the high end of the rung in here at about thirty one and a half to thirty one point seven million beef cows, uh, given the harvest capacity that we have today. Well, stay with us when we come back. Randy offers a warning to the industry in light of the recent market transparency bills introduced in Washington, D.C., plus more reasons why he is so optimistic about our cattle market and his take on the recent tactics in Colorado targeting beef and the agriculture industry. 
If you could do something today that would bring you profit tomorrow, would you do it? In the cattle business, it's about efficiency. And with Limousine Genetics in your herd, your profit is just one calf crop away. With Limousine or Limflex cattle, it's more pounds naturally to sell at weaning. It's growth and feed efficiency with the added benefit of carcass merit. The other side of the profit coin with Limousine Genetics is the maternal efficiency, docility, and longevity of your cows and bulls. It's as simple as Limousine Today, Profit Tomorrow. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Podcast. I'm Justin Mills, your host. My guest for this episode is Randy Block, CEO for Cattle Facts. And Randy, thanks again for joining us. But I wanted to kind of switch directions away from some of the markets talk that we've had here in the previous segment. And I wanted you to talk a little bit more on something I heard you say recently in a presentation during the NCBA's Winter Reboot Conference back in February. Now, we've had a couple bills introduced back in Washington, D.C. in the past several weeks now, one called the Market Transparency Act and the other one nicknamed the 5014 Rule, I believe. And while I don't really want to get into the politics of where the industry groups have come down either for or against these bills, one of the things that caught my attention that you commented about was cautioning those of us in the cattle industry to try to handle some of these issues and concerns within our industry if possible and try not to involve the government if we can help it and offering a warning about really having too much regulation and government interference in our industry. So can you expand a little bit more on that? Justin, I'd be glad to. And again, this is a this is a complicated topic, so I'll try my best not to get into the weeds. The the industry has been worried about price discovery, and they should be. Again, we've had a situation in here that we've had some areas of our market where we've had diminishing price discovery over the course of the last uh three or four years, really since 2015. If you went back and you looked at the market since 2015, between 21 and 26% of the cattle have sold in the cash market on a weekly basis on an average throughout the course of the year, 21 to 26%. So we've been in this thinner cash market trade for quite some time, but it got thinner in the Central and Southern Plains, specifically it had gotten thinner in the Kansas and Texas regions. And that's where most of the focus has been to enhance the overall level of price discovery. So the industry has put several commit committees in place. And I think the the working groups have done a tremendous amount of work to come up with some of these uh, thresholds on how much cash trade we'd like to see on a regular basis within some of these areas. And I think all that is has been good. It's brought this front and center to everybody's mind and everybody's looking at it and saying, hey, what do we need to do to help enhance this? And yet, when you take, you couple that, Justin, with what I shared from a demand standpoint, mm-hmm. remember what I said, we've had choice, certified Angus beef and prime demand has increased 68% mm-hmm. in basically the last 15 to 20 years. Well, that's gone neck and neck with the increase in selling more cattle on grids, formula, value-based marketing grids that are focused on quality. So we want to be careful that we don't go so far that we, for example, there's a one of the discussion points is 
50% of the cattle should trade in the cash market. That's probably not a great idea for the industry in total. And I think what has happened in here because of the capacity issue, the harvest capacity issue is really what's, what has changed this conversation. If we would have stayed in a situation that we would have had adequate harvest capacity, the price discovery issue wouldn't have elevated to as great a degree as it has. But when we lost 100,000 head a week of harvest capacity from 2005 to 2016, that's what really elevated this conversation in here. And I think it's important that everybody understands that. We're going to see harvest capacity pick up this year. It'll be bigger this year than it was last year as we bring on some of these smaller plants. We'll add additional capacity next year. So the supply and harvest capacity is going to come back into balance um, as we look down the road here. So we need to be careful that we don't zig when we should be zagging by inviting the government in to fix this problem. Mm -hmm. We know how that works in most other industries when they come in. We need to make sure we have true signals being sent from the consumer. Your producers need to know what that real demand signal is. If, if we mute that signal, we're going to get off as an industry. We will not like what things look like five and ten years down the road because we probably will miss some, some of those key, key clear signals that we get from the consumers. So I would just, I would just say we need to be careful in here with this. this. These are, I know, very emotional topics. I have to deal with this every day. And uh, I think the industry has put some good uh, mechanisms in place to, to uh, manage this and or work our way out of it as we go through the course of the next uh, six to 18 months. Well, Randy, thanks for addressing that topic, one that, like you said, does have quite a bit of emotion tied to it. Producers truly, though, wanting some answers on market transparency, no question. Well, before we wrap things up, just a couple more questions. I I know you talked in the first segment about some positive trends that you see in the outlook for the cattle markets, but are there a couple things that you can leave us with to give us some real optimism in the market as we look ahead? Well, I think there are a couple of things that are really important. I know when we go through some of these difficult times, when we look at cow-calf producers, we look at margins out there. We've gone through the last five years have been pretty marginal. We really haven't made very much money since you know 2016 to now. We had a pretty good run in here in 2012, 13, 14, into 2015. But it's been thin since then. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you go through some of these thin margin times like we've gone through here, sometimes we get our daubers down. And I would just say, look at the big picture out here. Put yourself in a position that look at the big picture. The market is sending some very, very strong signals. This demand signal is, is phenomenal. The beef industry has actually gained 8% 8% market share spending through that time period. So in the last 15 years, we've gained 8% in total market share of, of consumer spending. We've done that at the expense of pork and poultry. 
So I think that tells you that we're on the right track. We're doing a lot of the right things. We're responding to the consumer demand. And I would encourage your your producers out there to, to stay focused on some of these things. There are going to be more attributes that the consumers are going to want and be willing to pay for as we go down the road. More of these things relative to, uh, hey, more consumers are going to be willing to pay for source and age verified animals, source verified especially. We're going to have more consumers that are willing to, to pay for attributes, tying back to some of this sustainability conversation that we're all in the middle of today. Uh, that, that list goes on and on and on. If you want to see that, uh, what I believe that full list is, I'd encourage you to jump on the, the reboot session, Justin, that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. People can get to that. I think uh, you can see a full list of some of those attributes that I believe the consumers are going to be willing to pay for over the course of the next five to ten years. So I'm really very optimistic. I think it's, it's time for the producers to get a payday. We'll sell calves at higher prices again finally this fall compared to where we've been the last two or three falls. We do have some roadblocks with these higher grain prices, but gosh, these farmers needed needed a a break too. They'd gone through a long stint without making any money. They need to make some money. We need to make some money as as cow-calf producers as well, and I think we'll get that done. One last question for you, Randy, and partly it's because I know Cattlefax is headquartered right there in Colorado, and the livestock industry, and more specifically the beef segment within the industry, has really been targeted by activists within the state. Uh, they had the meat out day, and then right now, currently active, is they're trying to get this initiative 16, or what they're calling the pause ballot initiative, up and going. So how, in your opinion, does the industry need to handle these kind of situations? Well, they really are. We've had a lot of these things that are coming at us from all different angles. And again, I don't see this this stuff changing. Mm-hmm. But as an industry, if we'll take the bull by the horns, again, most of these things, we can check the box. We're incredible stewards of the land and the livestock. I think 99.9% of us can check these boxes. We know what we're doing we're willing to let people see what we're doing out here. I mean, we've got an incredible story to tell. And I think that's really going to be what the next chapter is, is, is we need to let our guards down a little bit and let people in so they have a better insight and feel what's really going on. Um, this is not corporate agriculture that you hear so many people talk about. This is, this is, so many of us, generations and generations of ranchers that do this because we love it. And we love the opportunity to feed the people, not only in the U.S., but the opportunity to feed people around the globe. And I think, I think if we'll do that, uh, we're going to win the battle with some of these activist groups uh, down the road here. So, don't get discouraged. I think we just got to do a better job of continuing to come together as producers, and and uh, I think we'll be fine. All right. Well, Randy Block with Cattle Facts has been my guest on this episode of the Working Ranch Podcast. By the way, I did want to mention this. 
You know, Cattle Facts is a membership service. You can subscribe to it and you'll have access to industry news, data, market information, and analysis that will absolutely help you in some of your management decisions. Their services start at about $225 a year, which really is not much in light of what you get out of this. It's really like having a market analysis in your hip pocket. And I also want to add this. I'm not saying this because I have a free membership that they've comped me one or that Working Ranch has a deal with Cattle Facts because that's not the case. This is me as a ranch owner out of my own ranch operation budget purchasing this service for my management purposes. So I encourage you to take a look for yourself. Try it out. You can go to their website at cattlefacts.com for more information. Today's feature has been brought to you by Corteva AgriScience keep weeds out of the way with new DuraCore herbicide and make the most of your pasture. Learn more at DuraCoreHerbicide.com. Well, stay with us. When we come back, we'll wrap things up and I'll tell you what's going to be on the next episode of the Working Ranch Podcast. Here's a hint. Kind of general, but here's a hint. It's about beef. Shh. Hear that? It's a quiet, easy handling Hereford cow. That's right. No broken fences, no busted gates, no injured people. Herefords lead the way in the silent traits and fertility. Studies show they increase profitability by more than $51 per cow per year. At the same time, that's real money and real results. Isn't it time for you to come home to Hereford? Learn more at Hereford.org. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Podcast. So I know my hint of beef is what we're going to be talking about on the next podcast. Might be just a little broad, so let me narrow it down a bit. It's been about 28 years since I graduated high school, and while I remember just a little bit from my brief experience in meats judging in FFA, I know I've forgotten a few things, probably many things, but we're going to look at the beef grading system here in the United States. First, the basics as a refresher for all of us, then questions about the changes we've seen in the quality of meat over the last 50 to 60 years, how our grading system is evolving with technology, and much more. So join us for the next episode on the USB grading system. I guarantee you're going to come away armed and dangerous, I hope at least, with lots of knowledge and information. Well, before we go today, I do want to thank my guest for this episode. Always nice to hear and listen to visit with Randy Block, CEO with Cattle Facts. Thanks, Randy, for joining me. Also to the captain, Tim O'Byrne, with his two cents. And we're able to bring you this podcast because we do have some great sponsors like the American Simmental Association where they provide more predictability to the producer so you can make management decisions that increase profitability right back into your pocket. Sim Genetics, profit through science. Find out more at Simmental.org. Also, Central Life Sciences, plan ahead with Altacid IGR fly control products. The American Hereford Association, Corteva AgroScience, and their new DuraCore herbicide. Check it out at DuraCoreHerbicide.com and the North American Limousine Foundation. This has been a production of the Working Ranch Magazine. If you have questions, ideas for topics on the show, or would just like to get a hold of me, you can do it by calling or texting the studio at 307-363-COWS, or feel free to shoot me an email at justin.workingranch at gmail.com. Well, thanks again for joining me. I'm your host, Justin Mills. And until next time, keep your chin down and your mind in the middle. So long. So long.